electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. We try to look up from the market's 2022 low, unpacking the big losses in big tech. Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Amazon, Google, NVIDIA, and Facebook. More than a trillion dollars lost between those names. And careening crypto. In the last month alone, 15.5% of all Bitcoin wallets fell into unrealized losses. Can the tech giants recapture their magic? Tim Armstrong, Flowcode, and former AOL CEO. We're still at the early, early innings of technology and software, and you can't take the overblown valuations as the trend. Those stories today, plus good news for meme stocks. And Warhol's iconic Marilyn Monroe, breaking records. Here it goes, that $1 million of bid dough. Yours. Congratulations. You know why it's worth so much? If you have one of those, there's not a single person that doesn't know what that is. It's Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin, and we do have some good news for you today. First up, it's no longer Monday. We are finally seeing a little bit of a rebound after some steep declines that have added up over the last week and a half. But this, of course, comes after a very punishing day for stocks yesterday, driving the major indices to their lowest levels of the year. The S&P closed below the 4,000 level for the first time since March of 2021. The Nasdaq was down another 4% just for the day yesterday. It's now down nearly 26% 26 year to date. The Dow is now down by more than 11% for the year. And let's think about this for a second. Just the big technology names, again, down more than 26%. If you were looking at the last three trading sessions, there were massive declines across the tech giants, more than a trillion dollars that was lost. Just if you add up the losses from Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Amazon, Google, NVIDIA, and Facebook, more than a trillion dollars lost between those names. That tells you the panic that had really set in at some of these levels. But again, we are starting to see some green arrows today across the board. It used to be that some of the big names, the favorites, were holding up the Now they're leading it. Now yeah, some of them are down lines. 40 and 45 percent. Some, right. some of the most so you would think that maybe the, the way, companies with profits too. right some of the average Nasdaq stocks are down less than some of the ones that used to be the top the top 10 and maybe that's a, a good sign of, of how deep this really is all right we're going to talk Bitcoin now and I, 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 Andrew I, and then I was thinking ARC because if you feel bad about Bitcoin if you're in ARC that was the double and tripling down on all of ARC's down 70 percent 68 percent from Adam, from its high. Double down. Yeah. So who's not underwater? Is there anyone not underwater in ARC? We're going to Someone talk to Robert yesterday. Frank later about not ARC, but ART. And ART yeah. apparently yeah. is not underwater. But we're going to. No. No. Um, well, everybody still loves Marilyn. We've talked about her a lot this week. The dress at the, at the yeah. Met Gala. And, and uh, he made five of those. That was smart. 
That's, isn't that, uh, is that a billion dollars? Well, not for him. No, but it, 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 if somebody. you add up what yeah, it, what it sold for, it's a billion dollars. If it was an NFT, maybe he'd get a piece. Um, <laughs> let's talk Bitcoin just for a second, because uh, Bitcoin prices this morning, cryptocurrency briefly dropped below 30,000 late yesterday. It's regained some ground early this morning. We're at about $31,449 right now. Bitcoin, though, we should say off about 55% from its November peak, and 40% of holders are now underwater on their investments. That's according to some new data out from Glassnode that says that uh, in the last month alone, 15.5% of all Bitcoin wallets fell into unrealized losses. So uh, I thought it was can, more. Again, I, I thought it might have been more, but it doesn't, because there's holders that did, I guess, that have been holding for longer than that. But 40%, I mean, it was at 66, right? So yeah. you would think it could even be worse in terms of the number of people that, that have an unrealized. But that goes to the, hold, to that goes to the holder mentality. How many people yeah. do you know who, Some who've people been still. owning since the 10,000, 20,000, yeah. 5,000, right? Right. I don't have a single one um, that I bought higher than where it is right now. So, and I don't have a lot. Right. I, don't, I don't have a lot. But, um, but I have those. I got one as low as five, 4,900. Stocks to watch, uh, and I'm supposed to disclose that I own it. You know, now we finally decided. You do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, if they're not saying anything for two years. Stocks to watch. AMC Entertainment shares are rising. The company reported an adjusted loss of 52 cents a share. That was about 11 cents better than analysts expected. Sales came in more than five times higher than the same quarter a year ago as moviegoers continued to return to theaters. On the conference call, CEO Adam Aaron said that the, uh, the mining business, no, he didn't say that, that, said that the company is gaining strength each day and promised that pretty soon we'll be back to normal. And we exceeded market expectations with a more than five-fold or $637 million improvement in revenue and an almost 80% or $233 million improvement in adjusted EBITDA compared to the same quarter of a year ago. What a difference a year makes. We are especially encouraged that when they did come to our theaters, our guests have been spending like never before, with revenues per patron through the roof at AMC up 34% above pre-pandemic norms and meaningfully higher than was seen at our largest competitors. Can you mine popcorn? You can't really. Uh, is you it, can sell it. They're talking sell about selling right. the popcorn Wait. over the over the counter. Yeah. When's the mother of all shorts happening, Joe? Mother of, of all shorts. What do you mean? Mo, is it mo, uh, not mother of all? Right. This is the moments. You remember the, the people who are buying the apes, the apes. Oh, the apes. What, uh, I, was it seventy seven dollars a yes. year or two ago? This right. Was, this was, was These supposed are, to happen. But they're not bored anymore. Are those different? So that's where I get confused. These are different apes. Ender, these are not these bored. Are these, are, these are very excitable apes. Those are very excitable apes who thought they were making so much money on their 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 position that they went and bought board apes <laughs> right are, oh it's so are you yeah 13 70 uh okay you're not trolling them though are you? they're not people you want to mess with i don't think you want to mess with apes in any on either end of things do you nft apes or amc apes i will uh they're all great great apes oh. 
Ivan the K points out, mother of all short squeezes. Oh, mother of all short squeezes. Mother of all short okay. squeezes, I'm sorry. That's what it is. Okay. Um, and who came up with that? Someone came up with that, didn't they? The mother of all... Uh, was well, that, that was in the concept of... Originally, it was with GameStop. No, but originally it was became, Saddam Hussein or something, I think. It was... Uh, I mean, when it actually... Someone actually coined the term mother of all, and that was even, even further back, oh. I think. I'm trying to remember what the exact context was. Uh, was when we when we first started using it because it wasn't always now raise mother of yeah all. yeah was it saddam mother of all battles it was saddam hussein. it was saddam hussein. He, he overstated things a little bit i was gonna speaking of saddam hussein i was reading the stuff did you read like what the stuff putin was saying yesterday that guy's he's lost it, his marbles um i mean or he thinks he can make people believe anything that comes out of it's him. just uh, reading it it's just like Wow, uh, Baghdad Bob is, is jealous. I guess it was Victory Day over the you know World War II, so they're so he's like all these, drawing all these parallels. So like it's, it's, it's the same thing is, well, is this happening that they were facing and they had to preempt like a Victory Day. They originally thought that he'd be able to say he had you know, right taken you or but he didn't say he was going to ramp things up either, and that's uh, that was what I don't know. It's a mess. 55, it is here. 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 100 with you. Guy, it's yours at 100. Sarah comes in at 110. 110 I have, 120. In the meantime, that picture we'd been talking about, Andy Warhol's 1964 portrait of Marilyn Monroe, actually sold yesterday for $195 million at Christie's last night, becoming the most expensive work of American art ever sold. It's a bold opening salvo for auction season. Christie's and Sotheby's plan to sell more than $2 billion worth of art just in the next two weeks. Interesting timing to be having this happen just as the market is crashing, because yeah. usually that money, that wealth effect, uh, drives up prices. It's definitely, I mean, it's nice. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, the brush strokes, I'm not sure how to really interpret what's going on. There's five of them. But you know why it's worth so much? It's because if you have one of those, there's not a single person that doesn't know what that is and who painted it and that it's worth something. So part of it is just the cachet of having something totally recognizable by anyone that looks at it. So, wow, that must be worth a lot. Yeah, it is worth a lot, and I paid for it. So that, Although if I saw it on your wall, I'd think, ah, oh, nice, nice. Uh, uh, no, you'd never yeah. believe it. You, right. You'd never nice believe fake. it. But is it that much better in terms of pure art talent? But, but then I, I don't know. You can't. Art is in the eye it, of the It is. Holder. Rothko's. Yeah. Rothko's. I'm going to make one. Tell you what, I'm going to have one ready by the end of the show that's going to be indistinguishable. And tonight's sale is an exceptional selection, as you all know, of 36 masterpieces from the 20th century, mainly focusing works on from 1960 to 1980, including works by Ryman, Clemente, Marden, Twombly, and is led, of course, by the sublime Andy Warhol Marilyn. Robert Frank uh, joins us now. Pretty close, but the uh, price is right, the under one. Yeah, pretty close and a huge number, Joe. Uh, Warhol's Blue Maryland going for $195 million. That was just shy of the estimate of more than $200 million. It is the most expensive American artwork ever sold at auction and the second most expensive piece ever auctioned. That's just behind the $450 million Da Vinci. But under the surface last night, there were some signs of weakness, at least a little bit. There were only three bids for this Maryland and bidding lasted only about four minutes. You're definitely out as well. Here it is then, the gentleman's bid, ladies and gentlemen, at 170 million for the Warhol is selling here to you, sir, at 170 million dollars. It finally stalled out at around 170 million, so with a 25 million 
In auction fees, that's where you get the sale price of $195 million. The winning bid came from the mega art dealer Larry Gagosian. He bought it on behalf of an unnamed client. So we still really don't know who actually bought this last night. There were 35 other works sold for a total of $317 million. That was the lower end of the estimate. About 45% of the buyers were American, 45% European, and 10% Asians. The Asian buyers just were not out last night, and that could be a problem as the week goes on. Christie's and Sotheby's have $2 billion worth of art lined up over the next two weeks. And Joe, my favorite pieces are coming up for auction on Thursday. Ann Bass selling three Monets. You've got one of Parliament, the Popular Trees, and of Givernay. These, all three of these pieces were in her living room. Can you imagine walking in that room? All three of these pieces probably worth four to five times the apartment. And she's also selling a Rothko, which I know that you and Becky just, just love. Right. I was reading up on, on Rothko. He, he had a really tortured life. He's very... Very sad, very yes. unhappy. Uh, very sad. When he ended his life in 1970, he didn't like the art scene, never really uh, became a major deal uh, it, until after, no. you know, years after. That's a lot, that's a sad story that seems to repeat itself again and again. We were, I think I, I might have an idea uh, if I walked into a place and saw a Monet, I, I'd say that might be a Monet, but if I saw, that's what I meant about the Warhol. If I see the, the Warhol, and if it's yeah. real, I know it. And I, I think that, and it's a weird combination yeah. of, of pop and art that, uh, I mean, Marilyn Monroe, one of the greatest pop sensations, not a sensation, but I- iconic, iconic. Iconic, so com- yeah, she was an icon. Yeah, and so yeah, was so Warhol. It, it kind of combines yeah, that. You know, yeah, and Warhol's famously said, I like money on the wall. And he liked instantly recognizable image that would go. convey that sense of, oh, I know exactly what that is. I know who that is. And I know, by the way, who the artist was in 1964 right. when he painted this, Warhol was on the Ascendant. So, so he's right with you. He wanted people, when you walk in that room, whoever buys this, they're going to say, not only do I know who painted it and who it is, but I know what you paid for it. So right. this is a lot of money on the wall. Which is like, it's completely different than, let's say, impressionists, what they were thinking about, you know, in Paris when they were painting. I don't think they were, they were thinking that. Like, there's nothing inherently beautiful about a Campbell's no. soup can, is there? I mean, how long do you stare at that? No. I, I love tomato soup. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, put some milk in with it, some crackers, <laughs> saltines. But uh, is it art? Yes, it is. Everything is, by definition. Art is in the eye yeah, of the beholder. Right, exactly. All right, Robert. Robert Frank, thank you. No soutines coming up. I'm still looking for that. You know, I keep asking. I, I, I my, know. My, I'm still looking for a meat painting for you, Joe. Nothing this week. 1500 bucks, though, is my, my upper limit. On that. <laughs> He'll get right back to you. Yeah, keep to looking me. for a long time. Yeah, probably. Joe, I got to tell you about another auction that happened last night at the tell Robin me. Hood Foundation. Ken Griffin won an auction, $8 million, to go in Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin up into space. And then rather than decide he wants to do it, he decided he was going to donate it to a New York City teacher. So a New York City teacher <laughs> yeah. is going to go might do that. up in space. In fact, two <laughs> teachers are going to go up into space. So, so he donated it just to be a, a nice guy. Co- not, a different kind of auction, but he wasn't pretty, scared pretty incredible. And yeah. it, were you, you there? Did you, were you watching all that? I was that? there. Go, uh-huh. Awesome. I was there. It was pretty, and by the way, Ale- uh, Alexis Ohanian uh, gave, remember we were saying what the news was? He gave $25 million to New York City schools as well. So uh, there's actually, it's an amazing program, and they raised an enormous amount of money. But um, it was pretty cool to see the whole, the whole thing in action. Did he say, I'd really like to go, but I think I'm going to, uh, did, did he, 
didn't reference that. Really. No, it was actually even even funnier that Ken wasn't there in person. So they kept putting the spotlight on a guy who was bidding for him. And everyone was like, who is this guy who's bidding this 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 thing up? Millions of dollars. Who is he? And yeah. then when he won, I think he handed them an envelope and they opened it and said, this is Ken Griffin. So anyway, oh, cool. a little bit of a awesome. reveal. Great. Yeah, who were the some good music last night too, Andrew? Who were the? Uh, I've been. I went home to sleep before John Legend ever played. Okay. There so you go. I I missed I missed the action. He's a legend. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, tech stocks and all those pandemic darlings—the stuff we needed at home—taking a plunge inside Peloton's quarterly loss. And Tim Armstrong, former head of AOL, on why we should stay optimistic. I see lots of opportunity going forward for the companies like a, you know, a Peloton, a Palo Alto Networks, the people who are building software that either protects or helps enable the offline to online economy. And I'm very bullish. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. Peloton just coming out with its quarterly results. It's now off about 14%. It may go lower. We will see the fitness equipment maker losing more than expected uh, with revenue also falling short of Wall Street forecasts. Peloton also now projecting lower than expected current quarter revenue. Peloton did see slightly better than expected numbers for its digital subscriptions business and subscription revenue. That's uh, what the CEO, Barry McCarthy, says uh, that he is hoping for. He says uh, that he's hoping to make some progress on trying to streamline that business. Some of that hit by more returns of uh, that uh, that tread and um, it's uh, that, that tread plus that we've talked about, the one that I always uh, talk about, but this is this is something people are going to be watching. We should also note that they are tapping banks for cash, uh, and this is uh, something a theme I think we're going to see with a lot of companies that are quote thinly capitalized. That's something that Barry's talking about uh, this morning. That the company is thinly capitalized, and there are now so many companies as we've talked about that have sort of gone for growth over profits, and they are thinly capitalized. And this is what we're seeing. Uh, there was some expectation, you might remember, that we might have seen some private equity or other money come in. That does not appear to have happened thus far. These loans seem to be organized by J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, uh, about $750 million to five-year term mm. debt. And we're going to keep our eyes on all of that, that. That probably explains a lot of the drop there. But the new CEO has this incredibly tricky task. They're, they're talking about trying to become 
a software company instead of a hardware company, which, by the way, you're a fitness company. Um, they want to raise the price of subscriptions, and maybe they can do that for a while, but it, it, it may limit the number of, of new users that they have coming in if they're not selling them. You know, they, they, they can rent them. This is part of their idea. Rent them a bike, rent them one of the, the um, walking things that you talked about. But I, I think it's pretty tricky. And it's all of these companies that have been calling themselves technology companies. First of all, Wall Street's re-rating technology. And then, you know, you look at this and you realize that not all of them are technology companies. They are companies that use technology, but that doesn't necessarily make them a technology company. And that's part of the re-rating for all of these stocks, too. Peloton shares now down by about 20%. For more on this and everything else that's going on in the markets, I want to bring in Tim Armstrong, founder and CEO of tech startup Flowcode. He's former CEO, chairman of AOL, of course, former CEO of Oath, now Verizon Media. And... So many other jobs you've had. Tim, it's great to see you. We're all trying to understand whether Peloton is a, a microcosm of, of so many companies that have been focused on growth at all costs, TAM, uh, total addressable market rather than profits. Andrew, great to see you. And um, obviously the reset in tech, when I was on with you guys last week, we talked about it as the, you know, the valuations got way ahead of where people's businesses are. And I think what you're seeing now, and I think you see it in the Peloton results, is people starting to get really real about their businesses. But I, I would say one thing. I think there's a chasm shift between, you know, are you worried about the bottom floor of the market or, you know, the top floor? And I, I think Peloton is actually a strong brand and the people who use Peloton, you know, love it. I, I've known John Foley for years. I think they did an, an amazing business story. You know, the valuation story, obviously um, different, but I think investors are looking for a couple of things right now. One is a real focus on the results and how do you get to you know results without growth at all costs. And number two is I think they're looking for businesses to take actions against, you know, specifically those areas. I think what you saw from Dara at Uber and you're seeing across the market is people start to announce, you know, the fact that they're going to be focused on the bottom line and focused on growing in a healthy way. And I think Peloton's probably the same thing. I think the difference with Peloton is them saying they're thinly you know, capitalized is probably not what investors want to hear. But there's a lot of great businesses out there. There's a lot of great businesses on sale. You know, right now you can buy Amazon at 2018, you know, prices. Amazon's only gotten stronger since, you know, 2018. So I, I think you have to separate the businesses into different buckets. And as an investor, you know, even though you don't feel like buying now, you know, now you're getting to the zone where it's a great time to buy. Well, the other question, talking about buying, I wonder whether a company like Peloton, which now has a market cap, I think we are we're closing on about $4.5, $4.6 billion, whether if you're, if, you're a, if you're a company that has great cash flow, or you're an Apple, um, or you're somebody else like that, you, you call a Barry at this point and you say, you know what, I'm happy to take you out of your misery right this minute, if, if that's what you think could happen. And so how many of these companies actually just get bought up over the next six to, six to 12 months? Or do you think the boards still look at the price tag of where they were just 12 months ago and say, no, no, we, we can't even think about selling in, the, in this market. So, Andrew, I'd say this. If, you're, if your thesis is a minority of the economy is digitized, this is what we do at Flowcode, and so I spend a lot of time in that, and you look at software eating the world, software eating the world is still at the appetizer portion. It hasn't even gotten to the entree yet. And Companies like a Peloton or, or other companies that have really gotten hurt in you know, the valuation camp if you believe in those businesses long term, I, you know, having spoken to a lot of, um, you know, very experienced investors, a lot of them are actually aggressively starting to look in the market, you know, for deals for companies. And I think what you're going to see is 
you know, the boards that think it's better to park their company with somebody else are going to do that. And two is I think there's a lot of capital out there and a lot of smart um, investors. So I'd expect to see, you know, a, a fair amount of deals getting done. I think from 2020 to 2021, the venture market went up by 91%. I think what you're going to see now is, you know, the, the PE players and the value players and stuff are going to step in and do these things. And, you know, I, I, I there's a lot of great companies right now that are investable. And um, I think whether that's for private equity buying people or whether that's investors coming back into the market at some point, you know, I think you're going to start seeing activity levels pick up where people have been frozen. How do you decipher between whether a Peloton, and, and by the way, actually I was wrong, it's down to $3.5 billion in terms of market cap on a Peloton. How do you decide what the bottom is for a Peloton, for example, or, or when you think you should strike it at this point? I don't know, Andrew. I think it's it's hard to determine the the downside of things. But let, let's take another industry like the security industry. Is the security industry going to be more important five years from now or less important? You look at like I, I'm a big fan of what Nikesh has done at Palo Alto, you know, networks. That stock is way down. That's an important segment. As things get more digitized, that marketplace will come back. So I think as an investor, if you look at Peloton or you look at the security space or anything else, you have to have a core thesis, which is are consumers going to become, you know, the, the economy's minority um, driven on software, consumers are majority driven on software. So when you talk to people about Peloton, they love their bikes, they love the experience. Is three and a half billion the right evaluation for it? I have no idea, but as an investor, you have to have a thesis. And you know, one of the things that we've been spending a lot of time at Flowcode on is, how does the offline and online economy connect? And I have to be honest with you, I see lots of opportunity going forward for the companies like a, you know, a Peloton, a Palo Alto Networks, the people who are building software that either protects or helps enable the, um, you know, the offline to online economy. And, and I'm, I'm very bullish. I know it's not a, the market right now is not bullish, but we're still at the early, early innings of um, technology and software. And you can't take the overblown valuations as the trend. The trend is it's going to get you know more democratized and, and software is going to eat more things. And I hate to say we're still at the early innings, but we are. Tim Armstrong, uh, always get great to get your perspective uh, on all of this, especially uh, amidst these trying times where everyone's trying to make sense of it all. So thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Coming up, the roiling global energy markets, sending gas prices high, supplies constrained, and, well, a warning for fans of Japanese heated toilet seats. What's the temperature on the toilet? So they want you to turn off the heat totally. Squawk Pod is back right after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. 
That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. We've got a very busy morning for the energy market, and there are four big headlines happening right now, including the gasoline prices hitting a new record, the Saudis warning the world on oil supplies, and Japan asking its citizens to turn off their heated toilet seats. Brian Sullivan joins us now to walk us through all of these and more. What is happening here? Oh, the humanity, Andrew. Well, that toilet story is real. I'm going to get to it in just a moment. But first, to some more serious topics, let me blast through this. we got four big things going on right now in energy. Number one, sorry, gasoline prices at a new record. AAA saying it's 437 a gallon nationwide, topping the previous high of 433. you got gasoline production down. There are fewer refineries than a couple of years ago, and the ones that are running or either struggling to get some ingredients through the Russia band, or they're trying to put out more diesel and jet fuel to make sure we and Europe do not run out. So get ready for gas prices to go up again. All this is the Saudis come out and warn the world on energy. Saudi Energy Minister Abdulaziz bin Salman saying at a conference today, quote, I am a dinosaur, but I have never seen these things. The world needs to wake up to an existing reality. The world is running out of energy capacity at all levels. That is not all. The UAM minister today also out warning without more global investment, OPEC Plus may not be able to guarantee enough crude oil supply. Remember that NOPEC bill still making its way through Congress. Number three, UK energy prices soar. This continues our reporting from last fall. The head of Scottish Power saying that bills could rise by another 900 British pounds a year, more than $1,000 when rates reset in October. Guys, this would mean that many UK households' utility bills will have doubled if that happens in October from last October. Doubled in a year. And here you go. According to the Straits Times newspaper of Singapore, Japan's energy minister is out asking people to conserve energy. Some of their solutions include watch one hour of TV less per day, turn off your toilet seat heaters, and set your air conditioning at 28 degrees Celsius. So I had to do the conversion on that. I knew that was warm, guys. They're asking people to set their air conditioning at 82 degrees Fahrenheit, air conditioning at 82, it's no seat, no seat heaters. Forget about it. Kind of a funny story, but serious. The world is, is running out of energy on many levels, guys. Setting the, what's the temperature on the, on the toilet? Well, so they want you to turn off the heat totally. No, Some of the, you know, know, Japan, know, Andrew, but how they have this, those, all the fancy toilets that go up well, you can make it pretty hot. I mean, listen, I used to work for the Japanese a long time ago, uh, and you can, you can warm those things up pretty good. Now they want you to turn them off altogether and set your air conditioning at 28 Celsius. And I'm, I'm like, all right, what's conversion on that? Couldn't figure it out, so I went on the internet. 82 degrees Fahrenheit? I don't know about you, Andrew. That's not air conditioning to me. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern or listen to this podcast anytime. We're available daily. We're free. We're about a half an hour that gives you the best of Squawk Box. Our Twitter handle is at Squawk CNBC. Send us any thoughts or comments and we'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Thank you. 
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.